Good morning. Christmas, the season, it's here. It's December. How's it feel? How are you guys doing? Excited about it? Yesterday morning, I was down and over the Rhine getting uh, my haircut. My sister-in-law works at a, a salon down there. It's called AV Beauty Bar. So yes, I am man enough to get my haircut at a place called Beauty Bar. And uh, I go down there, get my haircut, and then I wanted to head to one of the coffee shops to buy a bag of coffee. And as I exited the coffee, or as I exited the uh, beauty bar, um, I just thought, hey, this would be a great time to pray for some people. It was, it was like so much life down in Over the Rhine yesterday. Washington Park, they're doing this Winterfest. Music Hall has a... Uh, like I had a whole, whole like craft show type market going on. So I thought, okay, this is, there's a lot of people out and I'd love to just, you know, interact. I, I'm a humongous people person, like talking to people that gives me so much life. And so I was like, God, what do you want to do? What's on your heart? And just kind of talking to him, asking him. And there were two things that popped into my mind and they came into my mind, just like a thought, just an impression, you know, very similar to when I made that joke about, uh, the license plate. Shug Daddy, like, I just thought, what am I going to say about this license plate? How am I going to make everybody laugh? What's a joke I'm going to make? And Shug Daddy came into my mind. So in the same way, I, and I, that, that wasn't God speaking to me, I don't think, you know. <laughs> I think more people would have laughed. I was a little underwhelmed by the laughter, actually. Um, more people probably would have laughed if, that, if God had given me that joke. But God wants to speak to us and he has a heart for people. And, you know, if you have a relationship with Jesus, then God is actually living inside of you and he wants to get out. He wants to use your lips and use you to love on people and, um, yeah, to interact. So two thoughts just came into my mind. The first was chronic knee pain. I just thought there's somebody around here who has chronic knee pain. Now, I mean, of course there's somebody with chronic knee pain. But uh, that was just one of the things that God highlighted to me. The other was uh, someone had a close family member with breast cancer. And at first I just had the thought breast cancer and then close family member came in my mind. So I figured, okay, this isn't, I'm not going to run into somebody who has breast cancer, but someone who has a close family member with breast cancer. So I began walking uh, through the park and I walk by a realty office and this guy's walking out with a realty sign. I'm like, hey, do you have chronic knee pain? And he said, never. And just keeps, you know, I was like, that's an interesting response, but uh, I'm going through the park and there's two women walking towards me and they look really friendly and happy. So I was like, okay, these will be, they, they, they seem interruptible, you know? So I just walked up and I said, hey, do either of you guys have chronic knee pain? And they both looked at each other and said, no, we're, we don't have any knee pain. I said, okay, well, this is maybe a little more personal, but I'm just kind of on a little treasure hunt trying to follow God's voice. And uh, I felt like he told me I was running into somebody who had a close family member with breast cancer. And they both looked at each other and again kind of said no. But then the one, the girl on the right kind of paused. Well, actually, yeah, my uh, aunt had breast cancer, but she passed away. And so just right away, I just said, well, hey, I just want to pray for you to have peace this Christmas season. I don't know if you're missing her or if this is a time of year you especially think about her. But I just released the peace of Jesus over your heart for any sense of loss, you know. And she just took a step back and looked at me. And then basically tackled me and hugged me. And I was just like, oh, yeah, great. And she was just so thankful. You could tell that it, it hit a trigger point for sure. And kept going. Uh, I kept walking to the coffee shop. And as I'm just about doing to the coffee shop, there's a, there's a guy, a homeless guy with a sign, you know, saying I'm homeless, blah, blah, blah. And 
I just you know, struck up a conversation with him, began to ask him what his situation was like, if he was from Cincinnati, where he was from, and stuff like that. And he was from Covington, but came to Cincinnati uh, just to panhandle. And I said, well, hey, can I buy you a cup of coffee? And he said, I- I'd love that. So I walked into the coffee shop, bought my bag of coffee, bought a cup of coffee, um, and came out and handed it to him, and then just kept on talking to him. And I asked him this question after like a minute or two. I said, hey, Dylan, if Jesus, could, if Jesus came up to you right now and could do one miracle for you, what would it be? What would you ask him for? And without skipping a beat, he said, I would ask him if I could be reconciled with my family at this Christmas. He said, I would ask him if I could see my siblings and be with the people I love this Christmas. And I asked him, so he, well, he actually didn't say my siblings, he just said family. And I said, so you mean like your wife and kids or who? And he said, no, my brothers and sisters, and then rattled off four names. And I said, man, well, can I pray for that? Can I just pray for you right now just for you to just be connected with them, whether through phone calls or whatever, that, that would happen? And he said, yeah, sure. And so I, I prayed for him. And that was, then I, you know, that, that was the end of that, and I went home and continued on my day. But as I was reflecting on both of these interactions I had, the commonality was both of these people wanted peace with their past in some way. Both of these people wanted in their heart, they had this desire, they had this need to have peace from a loss or peace from a relationship. And how many of us can relate at this holiday season to wanting to have peace and wanting to specifically have peace with our past? with a bad Christmas or a, um, a, person, a person in your life that's not there anymore, a job that you had that you no longer have. The list goes on and on, right, of the different emotions and the different um, things that come up this time of year where we feel this lack of peace, where we feel like we're missing something. That's what I want to talk about this morning. The title of my message is Making Peace with Christmas Past. Making peace with Christmas past. It's kind of like a little bit of a spinoff of a Christmas carol. Um, but before I go any further, I want to read a verse to you from the book of John. And this is a John 10.10. 10. It says this. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Thief, steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus, life and life abundantly. So this verse, one of the things I love about this verse is it gives us Satan's job description and Jesus' job description. It tells us, hey, where there is destruction, where there is things that have been taken from you, where there is pain, that's Satan. And where there's life, where we feel joy, where we feel peace, where we feel potential, where we feel hope, we know that Jesus is present in that area. And this is an important verse to kind of be able to hang on to because Satan oftentimes wants to convince us that the bad things that happen to us are actually God. And in some weird way that God is doing this, you know, um, acrobatic story to, you know, for his glory. And, you know, we've, we've Christianized and we've religiousized how the bad things in, in our life are actually for God's glory. And he's whatever, you know, it's all garbage because Satan The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, okay? Jesus comes to give life and life abundant. And what's good about this is it shows us that God is good. 
And he gives us assurance that God is actually good and that he loves us and that he wants to give us life and life abundantly. And what I propose to you is that life abundantly means a better life than you've ever experienced and you can imagine. That's what abundant life means. And that gives me so much hope because that means it's only going to get better. Life abundantly means that where you're at, whether it's good or bad, it can and it will get better through relationship with Jesus. If I were to title, um, so, so Satan wants to steal from our present and mainly he wants to use our past to do that, I think. That's one of the main ways he wants to, is to steal from our present using our past. So that's the question I want to answer today is how do we get our peace back? How do we return to a place of peace? And I don't think I need to define what peace is, you know, peace, but, but I will really quick. Peace is not... I think primarily peace is not the absence of something. It's the presence of something. Peace is not weak. Peace is not responsive. Okay. Peace is the presence of God in your heart and mind and in your thoughts about a situation. That's what peace is. It's when God and God's reality and God's goodness is the driving force for how you look at your life and for how you look at your circumstances. We have this tendency to think of peace as a weak thing or like peace as a responsive thing or at best, peace as the absence of worry and anxiety. But in truth, peace is actually a weapon. Peace is actually powerful. Peace is the presence of God in our life. If I was to retitle this message to really speak to my circumstances, it would be making peace with Thanksgiving past. Making peace with Thanksgiving past. I don't know what's funny about that, but um, making peace with Thanksgiving past. So two years ago, yeah, it's okay that we laughed. I'm not, yeah, okay. Making peace with Thanksgiving past would be the title for me. Two years ago, my wife got pregnant for the first time. And it was spring of 2016 when we found out we were shocked we weren't like, you know, really expecting it. We were like kind of hoping that we would get pregnant soon, but we weren't necessarily expecting it. And I remember um, driving, jumping in our car and driving to her parents' house to tell them. And on the way, we FaceTimed uh, one of our friends who we had been with that day and who we'd been telling we're going to take a pregnancy test that evening. And I just remember when we FaceTimed him and told him, Jen's pregnant. He just started spinning in his room with his FaceTime like this and just celebrating with us. And uh, our minds immediately began to think about, man, this is going to be so exciting. Because um, I have a bunch of older siblings, and my wife has older siblings, and her twin also. They all have kids. So there's tons of nieces and nephews in both of our lives, but now we get to kind of contribute to the gene pool, you know? And it was just like, I, I even um, announced, I, I told everyone at church. I told every, I, we were just telling everyone we knew, we're pregnant, and shouting it from the rooftops. Well, we went in for our first ultrasound on May 4th and got the heart-wrenching, terrible news that our baby didn't have a heartbeat. And um, that the, the baby had stopped developing two weeks ago. So this was devastating, man. It was, um, talk about a lack of peace. It was like palpable for both of us, you know? And for the next month, we prayed, and we um, hoped, and we worshipped, and we cried. And after a month, my wife actually did. She had a miscarriage, and she, she passed the baby. And that's how that pregnancy ended. 
So springtime is especially, you know, like the past couple of springs, we've, that's really been brought to, our, brought to our minds. It's just something to process. But for me, even more so, Thanksgiving was a hard time. And what was a hard time for me this year, and it was a hard time for me two years ago, because that's when the baby would have been due. And so there's this, like, expectation, you know, that at Thanksgiving time, we're going to have a kid. And um, we're going to introduce her to all the cousins and to the family members and stuff. But instead of having this great thing to present, we had this great sense of loss. And we had this sense of something I'm supposed to have has been taken from me. There's an absence in my life right now. Maybe you can relate to that this holiday season. Maybe it's not even the loss, like the death of a loved one, but just the loss of a relationship. Like Dylan, the guy I talked to downtown, who wanted nothing more than just to be um, reunited with his family. Maybe the loss of innocence. Maybe this is a time of year that brings up a traumatic event for you at times past. But a sense of loss, man, that's a, real, that's a real valid feeling. That's a true emotion that I think a lot of us encounter at uh, Christmas time and at the holiday season. Another thing I really felt, I didn't really feel it this year, but more so last year. Um, so last Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving 2016, the first, that, that initial Thanksgiving was anger. I just felt really mad that I didn't have a kid. And to be honest, like something I'm not proud of is I felt mad at other people who had kids. And I felt angry with my, with my friends who were pregnant or with the people on Instagram, or on Facebook, who were posting pictures and announcing their pregnancies or um, showing like this great news they had. And I'm thinking, why do they have a kid and I don't? What's the deal here? Like, that's not cool. That's not fair. I should have one. And I think this is another thing a lot of us can feel at Christmas time and at this holiday season is anger. And these emotions get stirred up of how come they have a new job? How come they got a raise? How come I didn't? How come they have a spouse and I don't? How come, you know, they've taken this step forward in their education or their career? The list goes on and on and on. You know, how come they have a new car and I don't? But this, this kind of anger and this bitterness, we start to feel and we start to look at everyone around us, you know, with like devil horns, right? Um, but I want to say again, those are valid feelings, okay? One of the biggest mistakes we can make when we're feeling negative emotions is to stuff them and to shame ourselves and to begin to persecute ourselves. We start to feel bad about feeling bad. <laughs> that's, not, that's not a good place to go. That's a great place to be robbed of peace. You see, feeling bad and peace are not always contradictory. We can be real with our emotions, but also have a sense of peace with God. And even this week, I was driving to get breakfast with a friend. And, you know, it's, it's actually even a week after Thanksgiving at this point. But I was driving to get breakfast with a friend. And I was listening, um, uh, the next song on the CD I was listening to popped up. And it's called Faithful Till the End. And it's a song that right when I saw it, I looked down at my phone and I saw that was the next song. Right away, it just brought me back to the miscarriage. Because that was a song I listened to all the time and I worshipped to all the time during that season of losing that pregnancy and even during the pregnancy. And I had the thought, oh man, I wonder if this is going to stir up any emotions. And then listening to that song. And then before that thought even finished, I was just weeping. <laughs> and I'm just in the car just crying. Because there was something in my past that I didn't have peace with. 
There's something in my past that I was still processing, I'm still dealing with. And a cool and a good ending to that story is that Jesus comes to give life and life abundant. So the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus comes to give life and life abundant. And so I told you that on May 4th, 2016, we had the terrible news that we had, uh, we were going to have a miscarriage, basically. May 4th, 2017, our daughter was born from our second pregnancy. So how cool is that? That one year to the day that Satan stole, Jesus gave life and life abundant. (laughs) Isn't that cool? And she made it in just under the wire. It was like 1113 when she was born. So I was like, come on, like, Jen, like, kick it into high gear. We want to have a good story to tell, all right? You know, like, <laughs> no. She's, I'm glad that I don't have to be the, per- I'm glad I don't have to do that, okay? Birth the baby. Moms are amazing and women are amazing for that. And many other things. But now the, the mistake to make would be to think that because we had Heia, that's our daughter's name, a year later, we're over the miscarriage. And that we don't have anything to still deal with and to still process. It would be a mistake, and it'd be really easy to think that, maybe from the outside, I'm sure not easy for me to think this, but from the outside, it could be easy to think that um, Heia replaces the pregnancy we lost, or a new child replaces that. And what I want to debunk and, and what I want to tell you is that making peace with the past is not a transactional thing. Making peace with the past is not a transactional thing. It's not, I had two bad Christmases, but the last three have been awesome. So all the bad stuff that happened in those two past Christmases, it's okay. That's a lie. Peace with the past is not transactional at its core. Peace with the past is relationship. Making peace with Christmas past all hinges on relationship with God. Where we have relationship, where we have a touch point with God, that is where we will experience peace even amidst pain and hardship from our past. So why make peace with the past? Peace with the, not having peace from your past keeps you from your destiny. And what I want to say is this, God wants to take you places that bitterness can't go. God wants to take you places in life. He wants to take you into relationships. He wants to take you into places of influence um, where bitterness can't be. And where bitterness and where um, a lack of peace will actually prevent you from getting there. Our past won't keep us from our future, but our past can keep us from God's future for us. Life's going to go on. It's just, is it going to be centered around hope and God? <laughs> and listen to this verse. It's so, so encouraging to me. In Romans fifteen thirteen, it says this. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. So that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Being filled with God comes from proximity with God. 
Being filled by God comes from his presence. It comes from relationship. It comes from interaction. It comes from life. Give and take. And the linchpin in this verse is trusting in him. That is the epitome of relationship. All healthy relationships are built on trust. And maybe Satan has stolen some trust you have with God. Maybe um, there's been events, there's been things told to you, or maybe it's even just been a mindset that peace comes through transaction. It comes through bad things happen, then good things happen, now I'm better. I'm going to illustrate that more in a minute. But peace doesn't come from a transaction. It comes from relationship. It comes from trust in God. And if we're not willing to trust him, we'll never experience how good he is. I think that God, I mean, I think God is pursuing and it says that he makes his reign, he makes his sun shine on the evil and on the good. He sends rain on the just and the unjust. So at God's core, he is good to everyone, okay? Like not just Christians, not just people who are in relationship with him. God is actually good towards humanity. That, that's the beauty of the covenant we live in and of the God that he is. But the truth is, is that people who trust him experience his goodness to a whole nother degree, to a whole nother level of glory. And you know, glory, like who doesn't want to experience more of God's glory, more of his goodness in the land of the living now, experience his goodness now. And it all, it all circles back to this thing of trusting in him. So that's what I want to talk about now for the next like 10 minutes is what are some things that keep us from trusting him? And, and here's the overarching thing. A transactional mindset will always keep you from trusting God. Because a transactional mindset will make you look at your circumstances primarily instead of God primarily. When we think transactionally, what we're doing is we're measuring and weighing out what happens in our life and, and deciding how we should feel based off of the things that happen to us. Are you following me? Transactional mindset is saying that What's going on around me determines what's going on inside of me. But the beauty of a relationship with God is that he's inside of you. He's inside of you. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So no matter what is going on around you, you can have peace because he's in you. Because relationship with God. So here are two signs that you may believe peace is transactional. Okay. Two signs that you, we, whatever, may believe peace is transactional. You can assume everything I say up here, I've learned myself, okay? And that I've had to go through the school of hard knocks learning all this. So I'm not saying, hey, you need to do this. Okay, two signs that you may believe peace is transactional. First, you are constantly weighing the good and the bad. You're treating life like a scale. The second, it feels harder to give peace than to receive peace. If you believe that it's harder to give peace than to receive peace, then you may have a transactional mindset about how peace works. So that first point, you're constantly weighing the good and the bad. Practical example of this. This week, I got two letters in the mail. Personal letters, personal notes written to me um, by people at the church or people I've interacted with. And that's, it's kind of interesting because I barely have ever gotten any letters here. And they, it was cool. It was ironic. They both looked identical, just like, you know, legal size, whatever. And I opened the first one and I read it. And it was, it was somebody telling me why they were leaving the church 
and the short fallings they'd seen in a ministry I was a part of. And to be honest, it was a really um, kind-hearted letter. There was, I did not, as I read it, I didn't feel like somebody was like puking on me and like saying like how bad I am or just releasing all their bitterness on me. So, but nonetheless, it was still a letter about a shortcoming, you know, it was a letter about something that I had done wrong and something that um, I wasn't doing right. And there, there's actually some truth in it. So I read that letter and I'm like, great, this is a great way to start my day. This is awesome, man. Like, come on, let's peace, baby. Woo. Well, I opened the next letter and it was from a girl who was att- from another church who was attending a youth retreat I had spoken at this fall. And her letter was just like raving about um, some words that I had shared in my message of the retreat she was at and how it had transformed her life and how like it made God real to her for the first time and just on and on about how she's just committed to God now. She's pursuing God. And it was like a super uplifting, super encouraging letter. But which letter do you think I've showed to more people on staff this week? <laughs> which letter do you think that my mind has returned to more this week? The first one. Okay. Peace is not a transactional thing. It's not a bad thing happened, then a good thing happened. So now I forget about the bad thing. That's not how peace works. Here's a really stupid but practical example. My knuckles crack really bad in the winter. Do you think that it matters for me right now that in June they don't crack? Do you think that brings a lot of comfort to me? Hey, Will, just hold on. May is coming. You're going to have really soft hands again. <laughs> no, man, like peace isn't transactional. It's not good happens, then bad happens, then more good happens. So, okay, I'm all better now. Peace is not transactional. It's relationship with God. So second thing, it feels harder to give peace than to receive peace. So here's a, here's a um, common statement that I think has a lot of truth, especially like in kind of Christian world. This is a statement that's tossed out a lot. You can only give what you have. Have you ever heard somebody say that? You can only give what you have. I think that's true. What it doesn't say, but what I think we hear when that is said is, you can only give what you feel. You can only give away what you feel, right? How much more is that what we're thinking when we hear you can only give what you have? If I'm not experiencing it, then I sure can't give it. Let me get really practical. Do you feel like you can't forgive others until they forgive you. A trap I fall into is I want my wife to apologize first. (laughs) I can't make peace with her until she makes peace with me. Thank God that I'm learning that's not true. Um, (laughs) The beauty of having a relationship with Jesus is that you have something. Even when your emotions don't line up, you have something to give still. You can extend peace first. You can forgive first. But if you think peace is a transactional thing, then you're going to probably live in the world of, I can only receive, I can't give. Or only when I've gotten to receive a ton can I give. So those are two lies, those are two signs you may believe peace is transactional. Now, four ways to base your relationship, no, four ways to base your peace on relationship with God. Four ways to base your peace on relationship with God. The first, talk to God like a kind father. The second, receive prophetic prayer. Receive prophetic ministry. Three, make peace with people. 
And four, begin a relationship with Jesus. Or if you haven't, if you've already done that, revisit the core truths of the gospel, of the gospel message, and of what Jesus' death and resurrection means. So I'm going to go through these four, and then we're going to worship. First, talk to God like a kind father. I just want to stop right now, and I want everybody to pray a prayer with me, okay? If you, if you will, just close your eyes, and if you want to, you can put your hand on your heart. You don't have to, but I like to kind of like make prayer, not a thing that I just do with my mouth, but sometimes my body interacts with. So put your hand on your heart and just pray this with me. Let's all just pray this out loud. Um, this is the prayer, okay? Here's my heart, Lord. Speak what is true. Here's my heart, Lord. Speak what is true. We say, here's our heart, God. Would you speak truth to us? We're presenting our hearts to you. Will you speak truth to us? There's a story in the Bible. It's called the prodigal son. It's a really famous, really popular story about a son who majorly messes up. And in order to get back in good graces with his father, he decides that he is going to become a worker for his dad. And that all these bad things he's done is going to keep his dad from loving him like a son, but hopefully his father will love him like a worker. When he comes back to his father with this plan he has, like, Dad, I'll I'll work for you. I I won't call you Dad. I won't um, eat at the table with you. I'll like, you know, and I'll repay everything I've stolen. I've stole. Stolen? I don't know. Um, You know what the father does? He tackles him and begins to kiss him. And embrace him. And he just totally ignores everything the son is saying about making up for all the things he's done wrong. And he puts a ring on his finger, new clothes on his back, and says, hey, we're having a party. Cater Chipotle. We got to celebrate. My son is back. Okay? We need to celebrate right now. And I want to invite you into thinking of God like this. And talking to him like this. Like he's a good dad. Like he's a kind father that loves you, that isn't holding, thing, holding the things you've done wrong against you. And that he's not creating, that everything you do wrong isn't creating space between you and him. It's not. That's just, Jesus died for the entire world, okay? Whether you've accepted him into your life or not, Jesus paid for it. Jesus paid for all sin that will ever be committed. Because he was God. He's an eternal being. So he could pay for all the sin that was committed before him and all the sin that was committed after him for the whole entire world. That doesn't necessarily mean that, every, that no, it does not mean that everyone is saved. But what it means is that everyone, I'm just going to say this and you're going to have to go figure it out on your own. Everybody is, I think everybody's forgiven. I think God has forgiven everybody. But forgiveness isn't what gets you into the kingdom of God. Being born again, becoming a new creation, confessing him as Lord. And, um, If that throws you for a loop, just disagree with me. But the point is, is that God has made a way for everybody to be in relationship with him. He's a good dad. He's a kind father. When we ask for help, he doesn't hammer us. He heals us. When we ask him for help, he doesn't hammer us. He heals us. Psalm 34, 18 says this. This one won't be up here, but Psalm 34, 18 says The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Psalm 147, verse 3. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He wants to bind up your wounds. Psalm 145, 8 and 9. I love these. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. 
The Lord is good to all, and his mercy is over all that he has made. His mercy is over everyone, and he's just waiting for us to trust him and to engage with that mercy that he's extending. So the practical way to talk to God like a kind father is this. Recognize for yourself, do a quick, short assessment of where you're lacking peace, and then ask him for help. Just come to him like a child. Come to him with a need, just in a simple way. Quick self-examination. Where am I not feeling peace? Okay, it was when I had that kind of like tense conversation with my wife right before I left for work. Okay, God, would you show me what to do? Would you heal me there? That's what, that's what talking to like a kind father is. It's stopping, recognizing what's going on, and then asking him for help. Just right there. Very simple, okay? Second thing, receive prophetic prayer. What a prophetic word is, is it's God's word. It's God's voice in the moment for you. So the second way um, to make peace, the second way that you can base peace on your relationship with God is prophetic prayer. I remember that there was a time I was um, walking around uh, UC. I, I graduated from there about two years ago or three years ago, I can't remember. But I was walking around UC, walking to my class, and I was having a horrible day. I was feeling so much, cond- I was feeling so much shame and guilt, and I was just feeling really terrible. And I take a corner, I turn left down a hallway, and I see a friend of mine named Lou, who I have never seen at UC before, ever. And he's a really awesome guy, gnarly looking dude, bald, he has, his, beards are, his beard is dreaded, literally he has a dread going like that far down from his beard. And I turn the corner and I see Lou, and Lou says, hey, what's up, Wilson? And I'm like, hey, what's up, Lou? And he just pauses and goes, you're carrying something that you don't need to be carrying right now. And he just goes, there's something that matters to you that doesn't matter to God. And he wants you to know that. And then he just prayed for me. And it was just like this inbreaking of the kingdom. It was this inbreaking of God as a kind father into my life in that moment. And it came through a prophetic word. Totally changed my day. Totally changed the way I think about God. So the second way is receive prophetic prayer. The third, make peace with people. Okay? Make peace with people. Romans 12, 18 says this, If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Here's what I want to say. We start by being the first to forgive. We're the first to forgive. Maybe even before we get to talk to the person, we begin to prepare our heart to forgive and to, and to extend mercy. And here's the deal. It's not even just your mercy. God has mercy on their life. God has mercy on all of our lives. So when we step into, when we believe that and we realize that, we see that God's already provided a way for us to forgive them. That we don't need to rely on our feelings. We don't need to rely on, do I feel merciful? Do I feel I can forgive them? We just ask God, have you forgiven them? Do you have mercy for them? Okay, well, I'm going to join in with what you're thinking. It's a good idea to join in with God's thoughts. You know, usually life goes better for us. Forgiveness is first a choice, then a feeling. Okay? Forgiveness is first a choice, and then a feeling. Really quick story about making peace with people. And specifically, as so far as it depends on you, sometimes we can't control it, right? Like sometimes we go to make peace and the other person doesn't want it. So that, 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 that's the cool thing about this verse is it says, so far as it depends on you, if possible. Okay, you don't need to take up a cause and hound them and make sure they forgive you. But as far as it is 
um, possible with you. When I was in high school, um, I got caught stealing and shoplifting. And when I got caught, I just like opened the floodgates and started confessing everything I had been doing wrong to my parents because I just felt so guilty. And one of the things was that I'd been cheating on tests in high school and that I'd been like systematically cheating on tests. Only two classes and that makes it sound a lot worse. I wasn't like running a cheating ring or anything, but I was like writing down answers on really tiny font, putting on a piece of paper and then having that like taped to my shirt. I hope I'm not giving him any ideas. Okay. But taped to my shirt and then I lift my shirt up and I see the answers. And so my parents said, well, you need to go to those teachers, those two teachers that you have cheated in their class and confess to them and ask for forgiveness. Not fun, you know, not something I wanted to hear. But I went to my pre-calc teacher, first block. I'm a junior in high school. And I go, hey, Mr. Brooking, can I talk to you before class starts? And he says, sure. So we step over to the hallway. This is at Corain. And I just said, Mr. Brooking, I want to be honest with you. I've cheated on a couple of different tests. And um, I just want to confess that to you. And I'm sorry that I've done this. Will you please forgive me? And he looked at me and said, Wilson, why are you doing this? Why are you telling me this? So I got caught um, stealing and my parents wanted me to make these other things right that I told them I'd done wrong. And he said, Wilson, you're making a man choice right now. This is the choice that will set you up for the rest of your life if you stick to these kinds of choices. And I want you to know I forgive you and um, I trust you and I'm proud of you for confessing to me. And I just started crying. Just started crying and walked into my class and um, you know, couldn't believe the grace and mercy he extended to me. Well, my fourth block biology teacher, Mr. Lehman, I went to him and confessed to him. And he said, you are lucky I didn't catch you. I am going to keep my eye on you for now on. If I ever see, I thought you were a cheater. I thought you've been cheating. If you ever cheat again, I will know and I will flunk you. (laughs) Thank God that peace is not transactional, right? (laughs) Thank the Lord that it's not good, bad, good, whatever, you know, like, you know, I did all I could in that. I didn't say, well, no, please, like, come on, feel bad for me, love me, you know, like, I said, all right, I'm sorry, like, I won't cheat anymore, um, or ever talk to you again. (laughs) But the deal is, is that I just did what was possible for me, okay, and I have peace, because I did what was possible, what I could do, I have peace. Last point and I'm going to end here, begin a relationship with Jesus. The fourth way that we can base our peace on relationship with God is begin a relationship with him. And then I also added to that, revisit the core truths of the gospel. Okay? So I'm going to hit both crowds really quick. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, this is what you can sign up for. If you do have a relationship with Jesus, this is what you have. So be aware. You're not a fixed version of your old self. When you enter into a relationship with Jesus, you're not a bandaged up um, version, fixed version of your old self. You didn't get cosmetic surgery when you became a Christian. You are a new person. You are truly a whole new person, a brand new creation. You're not the same person you were before. You're new. And this comes not because of the things we have done, but because of what Jesus has done. And because of that, it can never be taken from us. There's never been a greater act in the history of the world than Jesus' death and resurrection. Nothing will ever trump that. Nothing bad we do, nothing good we do will ever outweigh those two actions. 
So we can rest in the fact that Jesus loves us and that he made a way for us to be at peace with God. In Romans 5, 1, it says, Therefore, since you've been justified by faith, you now have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Not, therefore, since you've been justified by all the good things you have done, you have peace with God through your actions. No, we have peace with God through what Jesus has done. Again, in Ephesians, it says, It is by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not of yourselves, it is the free gift of God, not by works, so that no man can boast. So I just want to invite you right now, if you've never began a relationship with Jesus, if you want to make him Lord, right now is the time to do it. Right now is the time to say, Jesus, I want to be in relationship with you. And what I want you to do as we go into worship, which is what we're going to do right now, is to ponder that. Begin to talk to him during worship like a kind father. If you have a relationship with God, talk to him like a kind father as we worship. Begin to ask him, hey, what do you want to heal in my heart? What do you want to heal in my life? One of the amazing things worship does is it reveals to us this new creation that we are. When we get in his presence, we, get, we, we begin to see clearly who we are. So Jesus, that's our prayer this morning. That as we worship, and as we, um, com- as we interact with you, as we receive your love, as we express our love to you, that you would take the veil back and we would begin to see clearly our relationship with you and who we really are. In Jesus' name, amen. At this point, we're going to receive the offering. So if all the ushers could come on down to the front, that'd be awesome. I read a cool verse this morning in Malachi. Um, it was, it's actually the verse of the day. If you have the Bible app, you know that like every day um, this verse comes up. And it was really sweet. Let me get to Malachi. Okay. Cool. So Malachi 3 says this. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. What God's saying is, when we first and foremost prioritize our financial perspective on him, then nothing is held back from us. When we think, okay, how do I serve God with my money? then it opens us up to running by heaven's economy and not the world's economy. And that's the beauty of Financial Peace University is it gets us aligned with heaven's economy. So I'll just encourage you to to stand on that truth as you give and as you you process that. Did everybody already collect? Cool. I was looking at my Bible. All right. Well, as we worship, we're going to take communion this morning. So the the communion servers are going to be down in different places. And I just encourage you, um, if you begin a relationship with Jesus and you, and you want to, um, yeah, commemorate his death and resurrection for you to participate in communion with us this morning. So if you guys, if we all just want to stand up and we're going to enter into the worship now. Okay. I'm just going to pray something real fast for you guys. Um, Father, I thank you. Just hold up, hold up, hold up your hands and just continue to get, stay in that place with the Lord. But Father, I thank you right now that you are with us in every season. 
You are with us in every season. And Lord, I thank you that right now you are replacing sadness with joy. That you are replacing any form of bitterness with life and peace. We get to have those things. I thank you, Father, that you see us right now. You see our hearts. You see every place in our hearts right now. It is not unknown to you. Father, we give you our anxiety, our stress, and we receive your courage. We receive your boldness. I just, I really want you guys to say this with your mouths. Okay, everyone, I really want you to say this with your mouths. Use your mouth, it's anointed. And say this I am happy. I am happy. Believe it when you say it again. I am happy. Yes, you are. Because God is happy and he's full of joy. And his children get to be happy and full of joy. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. Awesome. Thank you, Micah. Great word. So, what we're going to do now is transition into uh, the end, meaning we're going to end. So if the uh, ministry teams would come to the front, that'd be awesome. And I just want to encourage you and and propose to you that if you were singing those lyrics, um, here's my heart, Lord, speak what is true, and maybe it felt more real to you than ever before, then there is something supernatural happening. Whether you have a relationship with God or not, something supernatural is happening in that moment. I'd really encourage you to come down and get more prayer. I even propose that you're kind of saying yes to Jesus in that moment if you never have before. So come down front and get more prayer and um, tell somebody that you did that. But yeah, I just bless you all in Jesus' name and hope you have a great week.